This is the Crazy Beautiful Life Podcast. I'm Bethany, but most people call me B, and I'm your host. From health and wellness, money moves, environmentalism, lifestyle design, and more, this podcast helps inspire you to live your most crazy beautiful life. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Crazy Beautiful Life podcast. I am just feeling so good. I had the best day ever. I'm actually recording this episode on a Sunday night. You should see my setup right now. I'm trying to improve the audio, so I'm pretty much sitting in my closet to help with like the bouncing of the noise. Um, I'm sitting on the floor, but the little like I'm using the bench that Danny and I made. The bench is too high for me to sit right on the floor, so I'm sitting on on top of three pillows, um, a duvet. And yeah, I'm just sitting here with like my coffee, like pretty much sitting in the closet. It is hilarious. And yeah, I'm just excited to be making this episode. Today was a good day. I woke up really early, read my book. I'm reading Atomic Habits right now. Um, I did a little bit of a stretch. Danny and I went for a bike ride. I saw some ducks. You know, it's a good day when I have seen some ducks. And then for the rest of the day, I was just sort of working on podcasty things, setting up some new guests, working on some projects. And it was just a good day. Danny and I finished the day with going for a wee tiny walk. And yeah, I'm just having a good Sunday. And some of y'all may or may not have noticed that I actually didn't upload a podcast this past Monday. Um, I So it's been two weeks, essentially. The last episode that I upload was the one that I did with Danny. And as usual, there was such good feedback from that episode. I don't know what it is about Danny. I'm obviously being sarcastic here. Danny's awesome and I know it, but you guys love Danny too. And you love when Danny comes on the show and I love having him. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I definitely recommend it. And I need something from you guys, something super small, super small, super quick right here, right now. I need you to stop what you are doing right now, as long as you're not driving and go and give the Crazy Beautiful Life podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll take you 30 seconds to just go give us a review. If you feel so inclined to leave a comment, that would be amazing. And these reviews just really, really help boost my podcast in the algorithm. And they really help me out and they mean a lot to me. So if you could do that small, wee tiny favor for me, it would mean so much. So yeah, I didn't upload a podcast last week. And I guess I should just sort of talk about it a wee bit. I am definitely more of a positive, happy-go-lucky person. And I really try and create positivity and just sort of lift people's spirits in the online world. Like, I never want to be posting content that's making people feel worse, which is why I don't really talk that much when I'm, like, not having a great day or I'm not having a good time because... I want you guys to show up to my podcast or to my Instagram and leave feeling better than when you came. Leave feeling inspired or or like you have a smile on your face or leave wanting to go do a workout or whatever. And sometimes I get the feedback that like, oh, you work out all the time and you eat healthy all the time and like you're just doing so well. And like I am doing well and I'm really, really fortunate. I have a lot of privilege and I am doing really well. But this this past week, like Once I missed the podcast post on Monday, I sort of chipped away at it throughout the week and I just couldn't get myself to do it. And that is because like what's real and true for me right now is like life is not the best. Like 
I live in Southern Ontario. And if you know anything about Southern Ontario or Ontario in general, you would know it's a literal shitstorm right now. We are like Toronto. I don't ever think came out of lockdown despite everything opening. It was still called lockdown. I don't know. But we're in like a really, really, really terrifying situation right now. Um, And it's scary and it sucks. And then this past week in Toronto, it rained like so, so, so much. Also rained on my days off. And for some weird reason, it always downpours on my days off. And most of y'all know I got like a new bike and I just want to go for bike rides. And it rained on my days off and then it rained all freaking week. And my new bike has like really, really skinny tires and I'm not quite used to them yet. So once I am used to them, I'll be more comfortable going for bike rides in the rain. Um, but for now, not so much. I just, I'm not prepared to be slipping and sliding until I get more used to my new bike. But yeah, it was just like a rainy and horrible week, which I think had a lot to do with it. The news had a lot to do with it. And also just like where I'm at right now. And again, like I don't like talking about I don't want to say I don't like talking about me. I mean, this whole freaking thing is about me. That's, ooh, that's a weird realization. Um, But I don't like feeling sorry for myself. And I don't want you guys to feel sorry for me because I am very fortunate and I live a pretty freaking awesome life. I have a wicked, wicked job. I have incredible friends. I have the best family. I have an awesome boyfriend. But... I have just been having a hard time lately. I um, am, you guys know this, like I'm a kinesiologist, I'm a registered kinesiologist, and I truly believe that I am a really good kinesiologist. I am a really good registered kinesiologist, but I have not been able to find a job and it sucks. And I know that the right job is coming and I know that, I'll end up where I'm meant to be. And even if I end up where I'm not meant to be, eventually I'll find my way. Um, But it's just been really tough lately to just continuously show up and be dedicated and continuously put myself out there when I'm just kind of sad. Like, that's the honest truth. Like, I'm I'm just kind of sad. Like, um, I've been applying to jobs nonstop since I got my official registration in January. Um, I have applied to different types of jobs. I have applied to so many freaking jobs and I haven't even gotten an interview. Now, I have reached out to some of my friends who work in recruiting, who have helped me with my resume and my cover letter, and they helped me realize that there was a really good chance no one was reading my resume because it was like eight pages long. And yeah, so that's something that had to do with it. Um, But that's just what's real and true for me right now is like I'm on the hunt and I know that I'm going to get a job and I know that it's going to be a great job. Um, And I also know that opening my own practice is something that's really, really important to me. And I really want to open a virtual practice for now and then eventually down the road, like way down the road, have my like full on own clinic. Um, and yeah, it's just been kind of shitty, if if you will, like it's just been shit. Like all of my friends are really struggling, just like mental. This is a mental health pandemic at this point, like. Everyone is really struggling in their own unique ways. And I really feel for the people around me. Like, like I feel like what they're feeling like in my core. And 
it really bothers me when I can't fix that for them or I can't help that. Like I can't help them because um, there's this really awesome quote. I don't know who said it, but it said like everyone needs way more than we can offer right now. Like, and that's so true. Like everyone needs way more than any of us can offer just because of how long this has gone on in Ontario and how poorly managed it has been and all of the above. So that's just sort of where I was at this last week. And I just kept chipping away at this podcast and it just didn't feel right. And I just didn't feel right. And I was just like sad and like, yeah, it was just not a good time. And the weather had so much to do with it. And I miss my family. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's just sort of where I'm at. And I think it's really important to just be like real and, and true and honest and be like, yeah, I know you guys look up to me and think that I have it all together all of the time. And I don't. I don't have it together all of the time and that's okay. And even the people that you look up to and the people you see online and the people whom you emulate, they also struggle in their own unique ways and that is totally normal and it is just part of the human experience. Now, I did a few things this past week to really make myself feel good and pull myself together. Um, I spent like hours, like way more. Did you just hear my jaw crack? That was so weird. Anyways, I've never done that before. Anyways, (laughs) I spent hours reading this week. Like in the mornings, I was waking up at like six and reading for like two hours, which I don't usually do, but that's just something that I love. I love going in my agenda when I'm feeling kind of shitty and just like writing down the simplest of things and checking off those boxes just to help me feel like I'm still accomplishing things. And I mean like simple, simple things like unload the dishwasher, like simple things like that. They still just like help me feel really good. I watched TV this week. Literally, who am I? (laughs) I've been diving deep into Riverdale again. I'm not in the current season. I think they're on season five. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I started watching Riverdale again and that has been really fun. Um, I have been taking masterclass uh, just to sort of help me feel better and open up my mind for inspiration and learning. And I am so grateful. Our masterclass membership was my birthday present from Danny's mom. And I'm so grateful for that because it is such a cool platform. And yeah, just a few different practices here and there to sort of help me feel better. I really want to recognize how privileged I am that I can engage in these practices like simple things like reading and checking off boxes on my to-do list and going for walks and taking master classes and and doing mindfulness and things like that. Like I realize how privileged I am to be able to shut out the outside world and participate and engage in practices that bring me peace and lower my cortisol and push me into sympathetic or parasympathetic tone. I just, I know that there are so many individuals who cannot escape their stressors and I recognize how privileged I am that I can sometimes escape my stressors to a certain degree and really try and regulate my internal world because our external world is an absolute shit show right now. So yeah, this past week, I really did need to just take some time, 
regulate my internal world, get those stressors down, lower cortisol, lower glucocorticoids, and shift my body back into parasympathetic tone. You guys, especially those living in Ontario, (laughs) the external world sucks. It is stress-inducing, anger-provoking, and just an all-around shit show. And I feel like it has been nearly 14 months of, quote-unquote, doing what is needed to do just to get by, just to stay healthy. And in Ontario, we're, we're just getting yo-yoed back and forth from lockdown, no lockdown, stay-at-home order, open everything. Like, this is open, now it's closed. And it's just, the news these days and everything going on is terrifying. And it's just so important to be informed and educated about what's going on in the news. Like, I'm not going to tell you stop watching the news um, because it's important and we need to know what's going on in our communities. We need to know what's going on in our country. We need to know what's going on in other countries um, and we need to know these things. It's so important to be educated. But I also understand that too much news and consuming this too frequently can actually elicit a stress response. And in the present time, due to all of the stressors that we've experienced over the last year and a bit, we really need to do whatever we can, whenever we can to lower our stress. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about why you need to calm the fuck down. There is no other way to say it why we all need to calm the fuck down and decrease the amount of stress in our lives. We're going to talk about the systems, processes, hormones, and neuronal pathways that are associated with the stress response. And then I'm going to provide some tangible tips for how you can get your stress in check, lower your cortisol, switch your body back into parasympathetic tone, and protect your health, wellness, and longevity. If you missed my first episode on stress, immunity, and fertility, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode first. It is episode number 16, and we cover how a stress response works, Hans Selye and his little experiments with mice. There's just a lot of good information in episode 16, so I strongly encourage that. And today we're going to sort of build upon those key concepts about how chronic low-level, mid- or high-level stress is incredibly detrimental to our health and longevity. Now, there is going to be some crossover from episode 16 because I feel like it's really important and it's essential for some of the concepts that I'm going to teach y'all today. But um, yeah, if you want to listen to that one first, go for it. If you don't want to, um, just know that there may be some of the more metabolic and physiological processes that I won't be talking about in this episode. I also want to preface this by saying that no one in our communities experiences more stressors and higher level of stress related to worsened health outcomes than our minorities. This includes Black, Indigenous people of color, um, Asians and Pacific Islanders. This includes women. This includes members of our LGBTQIA plus community. All of these minorities experience stress to a significantly greater level, thereby leading to worse health outcomes. So please keep that in mind. I am not saying, you know, it could be worse. I am just saying that uh, we need to think about these communities when we are talking about stress and doing what we can to assist those communities where appropriate. All right, let's just chat about all the things. 
Okay, so on today's agenda, we are going to cover a brief introduction to the stress response for both acute and chronic stressors, the different nervous systems that are at play during the stress response, and the systems and structures that are impacted by the stress response. And last but not least, we are going to cover some tangible tips for reducing the levels of perceived stress in your life, as well as a little offer from me to you to help y'all out with your stress. Stay tuned because I can't wait to share it and let's get into it. Also, side note, um, before we get into it, um, Danny has a cold. He has a cold. He's been tested. It's a cold. He's fine. His test was negative. Um, But if you can hear him blowing his nose, I'm really sorry. I'm basically sitting in the closet, so hopefully you can't hear it. Anyways, let's do it. First up on the agenda, we are going into an introduction to the stress response for both acute and chronic stressors. Now, there may be some big words in here, but trust me, you guys are more than capable of understanding these concepts. So stress consists of our physiological, cognitive, affective, and behavioral reactions when we are faced with heavy demands. Stress is an experience that is produced through a person-situation relationship that is perceived as taxing or exceeding the person's resources, if you will. Now, stressors, um, there are internal stressors as well as external stressors. External stressors are things like events, forces, or situations that have the potential to be interpreted as stressful. For example, we may experience stress when being stuck in traffic on our way to work. The act of being stuck in traffic in of itself isn't actually stressful. There's no threat to your well-being. You're just sitting in your car stuck in traffic. But the meanings by which we ascribe to being stuck in our car, stuck in traffic, possibly being late for work, the perception of the stress for, of, of the stressor is what makes this event stressful. It's really not about the situation at all. It's the meanings that we ascribe to these situations. You know, being late for work means I'm tardy, means I'm not a good player, means I'm not a good, uh, a, a good employee, all, all the things. So it's really those meanings that we ascribe to things. It's interesting when we think about it that way. Our subconscious thoughts and beliefs contribute to our stress response. Because many of the things that cause us stress are not actually stressful in of themselves. But then we ascribe meaning to such events that actually make them stressful. It's really interesting. There are two types of stressors. So there are acute stressors, which or an acute stress response. And acute stressors are short-term, sudden stressors. And the stress experience has a quick onset and then it also ends relatively quickly. An example of an acute stressor would be encountering a coyote in the dawn and having to think fast about what to do. Another example of an acute stressor may be receiving some shitty news or maybe a passive-aggressive email from from a coworker. The stress response kicks on, maybe your hands shake a little bit, you have that dropping feeling in your chest, but then the coyote leaves or you respond to the email and the stress is over. Second type of of stress or stressor is a chronic stressor or a chronic stress response. Now, this is the type of stress that we need to be concerned about, especially in today's world. Chronic stress or stressors um, or I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. Chronic stressors or chronic stress responses are long-term ongoing stressors and the stress the stress experience is constant and persistent. 
Now you may think, well, I'm not under so much stress that my hands shake and I feel like I have that sinking um, in my chest or in my stomach and I don't feel like I need to run away from a lion, from a lion but like I'm kind of stressed all the time, but I, I'm not like really, really, really stressed. But this is what is concerning. It's this chronic low, moderate, high level stress that is very, very, very detrimental to our health. Over time, long-term stress can actually be worse than the actual stressor itself. And this is because chronic stress causes allostasic overload, which is chronic wear and tear on the body produced through long-term adaptations to chronic stressors. Now, allostasic overload is a system like a systemic stress response. A homeostasis response, which I'm sure we've all heard about, like, oh, maintaining homeostasis. We're all familiar with that con- that concept, right? So, for an example, you're out and about and your core temperature um, is increased a little bit, which is an internal stressor. And, you know, because uh, my, my core temperature increased a wee tiny bit, then my vessels, my blood vessels are going to move closer to the surface of the skin. I maybe will sweat a wee bit and that's going to bring my core temperature down. This is homeostasis, which is the regulation of adjusting a single element or two. Allostasis um, is the adjustments of all of the systems, such as our cardiovascular system, endocrine response, digestive response, and all the things. It's not just like, oh, your core temperature went down, which is a stressor, and we need to, you know, make some adjustments to bring it back up. That is normal and and we go through homeostasis all day every day when we're awake when we're asleep when we're not thinking about it it happens all on its own but allostasis is all over it is a systemic response it is your entire body okay cool so quick summary we have acute and chronic stressors in our lives the stressors themselves may not inherently be stressful. However, the meanings we ascribe to these stressors are what causes a stress response. The stress response is allostasic, which affects everything in your body systemically rather than just tweaking one system or one pathway. Moving on, we've got two divisions of our autonomic nervous system. This is the branch of our nervous system that is somewhat, somewhat, Um, above our conscious control. So our autonomic nervous system are the things like breathing, blinking, digestion, um, our heart beating, brain function, all of those things that just sort of happen on their own that we don't necessarily think we can control with our minds. However, (laughs) I'm about to teach you that our minds have a lot of control over our autonomic nervous system. So We've got two divisions of our autonomic nervous system. We have the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. Now, you've probably heard of these before, um, but they are so much bigger and they're so much more important than probably what you've ever heard about them before. So the first thing is our sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight, which we all have heard about. We all know about that is the I need to run away from a tiger or a lion nervous system. Then we have our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest. 
Now, when we are tapped into our sympathetic nervous system, we are in what we would call sympathetic tone or sympathetic dominance, which is going to be a lot of our focus for today. Acute sympathetic tone actually has many beneficial effects. We move out of the way of oncoming traffic or we remove ourselves from conversations or situations that are stressful to us. We um, like touch something that's way too hot and remove our hand from it. These are really awesome things that the sympathetic nervous system does. It essentially keeps us alive. This is in our primal being. However, even though we are primal creatures, we like to ignore that. And over time, we have pushed our populations into prolonged sympathetic tone, which is of major concern due to several of the systemic effects on the entire body. So sympathetic tone, this is how it works. And don't worry, you can understand this. There's a lot of big words you got this. So first, there is a stressor perceived by our hypothalamus. And our hypothalamus releases corticotrophic releasing hormone. Then this, we'll call it CRH. The CRH travels to the pituitary gland. And then the pituitary gland um, releases adrenocorticotrophic hormone which then travels to the adrenal cortex, and this signals the release of glucocorticoids. So pay attention to the word glucocorticoids because we are going to come back to that word several times. So essentially, right now, what we just talked about is the cascade by which we are in sympathetic tone. And when we are in sympathetic tone, a lot of things happen systemically as well as simultaneously. So they happen sort of all at once. So when we're in sympathetic tone in the basic, basic form, our hypothalamus has perceived the need for us to run away from a lion. They have perceived a threat to our well-being and we need to go. So whatever threat is going on, We got to run, but in order to run, we need more nutrients in the tissues and structures that we use for running. So our muscles, all the things like that. So suddenly, right after we have this uh, perceived stressor, we, we need to run away. We get a lot of glucose mobilization delivered at an increased rate to our muscles and tissues, right? Because our muscles and tissues need the the glucose, they need the nutrients to help us run away. Now, in order to deliver these um, nutrients very quickly, because they are delivered through our blood, uh, we need to quickly increase our heart rate, blood pressure, and stroke volume. And we also need to increase the rate of respiration which is just breathing. Um, stroke volume is the the amount of blood that is getting pumped out of your heart each time. So it has a lot more force. There's a lot more blood coming out of there. And our, our brain is essentially like run away, get this to the tissues as fast as possible, increase heart rate, increase stroke volume, increase blood pressure, get glucose to the tissues, get the muscles going, and let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> okay. Now we need to run away. We've got that. That's established. And at the same time that our body is sort of ramping up to run away, 
there are a lot of systems and structures and more long-term projects, if you will, that are inhibited or just completely turned off. One of the first things that happens during a stress response is our digestion is inhibited. There is no time to waste precious energy to go towards digestion because we need to get the heck out of there. So digestion just completely stops. Now, another thing that stops during a stress a stress response is tissue growth and repair. Now, this is really important when we are talking about people who are active, people who exercise in any way, shape, or form, which I hope is every single one of you listening. Um, but when we're in a stress response, we are not having that same tissue regrowth and repair as we normally would. Now, fun fact, every single time that you exercise, you are causing small micro tears in your muscles. And then whenever you're not exercising and you're hopefully in parasympathetic parasympathetic tone, you are actually regrowing and rebuilding those muscle, muscle tissues, which is why they come back stronger. Now, the other thing that is regrowing and repairing uh, when we are in parasympathetic tone is our bones. Now, I know a lot of people think that we just grow bones and those are just the bones that we have, but bones are actually very active structures and they are constantly remodeling and replenishing themselves all of the time. There are these little guys called osteoclasts and osteoblasts who are constantly at work on your bones, removing old uh, bone bone tissue, I guess. What is the right word? It's, it's totally lost from my brain. But they take away old, old bone and they rebuild new bone. And this happens all of the time. However, during a stress response, this stops. Next thing up is reproduction. We need to run away. Like we need to get the heck out of there. So reproduction comes to a complete halt in both male and females. Females will not ovulate during a stress response and males will have trouble getting an erection as well as males will not be producing enough sperm. There are just a whole bunch of things that happen. And one of the biggest things that happens during a stress response is sex drive disappears. Gonzo, goodbye, see you never. Next thing that happens is our immune system. Now, our immune system is really interesting when it comes to a stress response. Um, So initially, our immune system is a little bit heightened and then it is just completely shut off. And the same is true for exercise. So during the first couple minutes of exercise, your immune system kicks on and then it sort of kicks off. Not necessarily off, but it is inhibited because it isn't really needed. Our immune system is deemed non-essential and it stops. And this is really concerning because our immune system stops seeking out tumors to eradicate because it needs to run away. So we'll think about the tumors later. We need to run away. These are only a few of the things that happen. There is a literal laundry list of other systems and processes that are inhibited during a stress response. And these are just a few. So what we just covered is called an acute stress response. But then why does stress make us sick? Why does stress lead to injury, illness, and disease if this is just a temporary thing? Certainly, we all say like, oh, I I don't feel the need to run away from a lion all the time. Like my heart's not pounding all the time. I just, I feel stressed sometimes. Here's the thing, you guys. Sustained stress, that's sort of low, mid, or high level stress that we feel for a duration of time is incredibly 
detrimental. So although you may think like, oh, I, I never really get that fight or flight response and I'm not in fight or flight all of the time. If you are stressed all of the time, you may be in fight or flight. You may be in sympathetic, sympathetic dominance or sympathetic tone the majority of the time, but you are also still going to be releasing glucocorticoids, having elevated cortisol and a laundry list of other things are going to be going on. So we need to be concerned about chronic, persistent, sustained, low, mid, or high levels of stress. It's not that we need to run away all the time. It's that we're just stressed out all the time. And we push our bodies into this sympathetic tone. And like I said, cortisol, glucocorticoids, all the things. When we are in chronic sympathetic tone, our body spends so much time coping with the stressor or stressors that it sort of neglects several of the other systems and structures that are essential for our well-being. We are chronically stressed. We don't experience all of the physical benefits of parasympathetic tone and the rest and digest that we just talked about earlier is kind of gonzo. When we are chronically stressed, we are constantly mobilizing energy so that we can run away, meaning that we don't have a lot of stored energy. This causes us to feel fatigued literally 24-7. If you are fatigued 24-7, there's a good chance that it may be because of your stress. So we're fatigued 24-7. And then because we're fatigued, we are like even more stressed because you're like, why the hell am I tired all the time? And then because you're tired all the time, you're not accomplishing any of the tasks or checking things off the list that you need to check off, which then is making you more stressed and it's just more, more, more. It's a very, very vicious cycle. Now, there are a ton of systems that are impacted by being in chronic sympathetic tone, but I want to focus on three that I find super interesting that I think are super relevant and comprehensible. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode. I just wanted to interrupt you briefly to talk about Young Living Essential Oils. Young Living Essential Oils are the international leader in therapeutic grade essential oils. With their seed to seal guarantee, you can ensure that you are getting essential oils of the highest purity and highest potency. Some of my favorite, favorite blends are Valor, Peace and Calming, and Christmas Spirit. They have hundreds of different essential oils, natural health products, accessories, and more on their website. I absolutely love their natural home cleaning products. If you are ready to switch out things in your daily life for a natural, chemical-free alternative, then Young Living Essential Oils is the company for you. Additionally, should you decide to do the business side of things, their compensation plan is phenomenal. They have provided me so much financial freedom, emotional freedom, and chemical freedom in my life. If you're ready to get started with your Young Living journey, whether it be just purchasing some oils or getting going with your business, send me a DM and I'm happy to help you out. Okay, so you sort of understand that the stress may not be actually threatening, but it is the meanings that we ascribe to the stress that makes us stressed out. You understand that we have two different um, divisions of our autonomic nervous system, which are sympathetic tone and parasympathetic tone. And you understand that sympathetic tone can be great for running away from a lion, but sustained sustained sympathetic tone can be very detrimental to your health. 
So I want to talk about a couple of different systems that I think are really prevalent and really important that are negatively impacted by chronic sympathetic tone. The first one that I want to talk about is our cardiovascular system. Now, I know, I know a lot of you may be thinking that the cardiovascular um, sort of health and well-being um, doesn't really apply to you. You think that cardiovascular health is for your parents or your grandparents, and it's not really something that you should be concerned about. However, the decisions that you make right now, whether you are in your teens and you're listening to this, your 20s, your 30s, or 40s, or maybe you're in your 50s or 60s, the decisions that you make right now will determine your health in 10, 20, and 30 years. So it's really important that you start making decisions right now, having your future self in mind and doing them a favor. Cardiovascular disease is the number one burden on our healthcare system, as well as the number one cause of mortality in Canadians and Americans and the majority of the, I'm not sure if it's politically incorrect to say the developed world. Um, if anyone has any insight on that, I would love to hear. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what, what the right word is for that, but Cardiovascular disease is the number one killer as well as the largest burden on our healthcare system. 2.5 million Canadians live with cardiovascular disease and every single hour, 12 Canadians aged 20 plus die of cardiovascular disease. So what does stress do to this system? Remember when I mentioned glucocorticoids? So during sympathetic tone, glucocorticoids activate the neurons in our brainstem and they tell them to enhance the effects of epinephrine and norepinephrine, which in summary is adrenaline. This increases our blood pressure, our heart rate, as well as our stroke volume. Stroke volume. What's that? I think stroke volume is so cool. I took advanced cardiac, advanced cardiac physiology in university. And the more I learned about the heart, the more I just found it really, really, really interesting. And then when I was on the pre-med society, when I thought I was going to go to med school, <laughs> oh God, I can't believe I just admitted that. Um, anyways, when I was on the pre-med society, I went to a couple of different cardiac, um, seminars, which was really interesting. And the cardiac system is just so cool. Anyways, uh, stroke volume. Stroke volume is essentially how much blood your heart pumps out per beat. So it's the, the volume of blood that you are pumping out with every single beat. And that when you are increasing heart rate, blood pressure, and stroke volume, you're increasing the force by which blood is ejected from your heart. Now, what I want you to know is that your heart is just a pump. And just like any other pump, when you overuse it for a long ass time, the pump will wear out. The only difference between your heart and the sump pump in your basement or, you know, random ass pump for your pool or something like that is your heart is fairly irreplaceable in, in some sense. First thing that happens is, like I mentioned, your blood pressure goes up. Now, I know, I know. Who cares about blood pressure? You guys, blood pressure is, you know, just for your grandparents to be concerned about or your parents or whatever. Nope. Think again. Your blood pressure is more important than you think. It is a really, really easy way to objectively have a quick look at someone's overall health and wellness. 
So over time, um, when you are in chronic sympathetic tone, blood blood pressure just sort of creeps up slowly, slowly, slowly. Your blood pressure goes up and your stroke volume does as well. Now, your heart is pumping out with more force than it did in the past, and it's also because it's pumping out with more force, it's actually increasing the force that is being emitted to your vessels. So, you know, you're thinking about your heart pumping as at a very normal rate, not in sympathetic tone, and there's not a lot of force being um, put on your blood vessels, if you will. But when you have your heart pumping with a greater volume and a greater force, those vessels need to be able to handle the force. They, they don't want to blow up. You know what I mean? So your vessels handle this increased force by becoming thicker. Now, when they become thicker, they become more narrow, which means the heart has to work harder. So the heart is working harder, which means that the vessels become more narrow. And because the vessels become more narrow, the heart has to work harder again to push blood through these narrow vessels. Vicious cycle, to say the least. This narrowing of our blood vessels is called atherosclerosis, and it is definitely something to be concerned about. Your heart is a muscle. It is cardiac muscle. It is a little bit different than any of the other muscle in our body. So we have skeletal muscle. We have smooth muscle. Your smooth muscle is things like your intestine, stomach, things like that. And then we have cardiac muscle. Cardiac muscle is super unique, um, but in its basis, it is a muscle. So if it's working harder all of the time, pumping more, pumping faster, pumping with increased force to push through those narrowed vessels, it's going to get stronger. So your heart muscle grows just like any other muscle in the body. If you chronically make your biceps work harder, your biceps are going to grow. If you chronically make your calves work harder, your calves are going to grow. I'm trying to grow my calves. I have baby calves and I want like nice, juicy running calves. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> when you overload a muscle, it gets stronger. And that is the exact same thing that goes on with your heart. When you overload the cardiac muscle, it gets stronger. It gets thicker. And this process is known as hypertrophy. Now, in the case of chronic stress, this is known as left ventricular hypertrophy, which is the hypertrophy of the left ventricle of your heart. Your left ventricle then becomes thicker and stronger. But remember when I said when the muscles are working harder, they need more blood and nutrients. Your heart is the exact same. So you actually have all of these little blood vessels on the surface of your heart, and they are called your coronary arteries. Now, your blood, your, your heart needs blood supply from your coronary arteries to deliver the cardiac muscle, the essential, essential oxygen nutrients and blood that it needs in order to work. So when you get left ventricular hypertrophy, that muscle then requires a larger blood supply in order to keep going. 
However, at the time when, because you're in sympathetic tone, you are not in rest and digest. You are not repairing. You are not regrowing. You're not doing any of that stuff. So your body can't possibly focus on angiogenesis, which is the creation of new blood vessels. Now, what happens is the heart needs more blood. It needs more nutrients in those coronary arteries because the left ventricle got so big. But because you're always stressed, it can never sort of grow and repair and provide that essential angiogenesis that needs to happen. What this means is that the demand is greater than the supply and then the heart muscle becomes hypoxic and it starts to die. Now, all of these things are concerning. The slow and controlled wear and tear on your heart will creep up on you after years of being chronically stressed. But even more concerning is that this can lead to sudden cardiac death. And sudden cardiac death is not the heart attacks that you hear about of people in their 60s and 70s having cardiac, sudden cardiac death can really creep up on anyone at any time. Like I said, left ventricular hypertrophy, the left ventricle needs more than what is supplied, which can cause fibrillation, it can cause hypoxia, it can cause ischemia, I can never say that word right, ischemia, ischemia, ischema, I don't know. Um, My cardiac prof also said it really, really strange. Anyways, um, it can cause all of these things, which can literally cause someone to experience sudden cardiac death and drop dead. So when we're chronically stressed, our immune system is suppressed and our heart is not doing its damn thing. Well, our heart is doing the damn thing, but it's just starting to wear out. So that is one reason why we all need to calm the fuck down. The next thing that I want to talk about is our immune system. One area in specific with our immune system, I talked about the immune system in general in episode 16 and how the immune system works and killer cells and T cells and all the things. Um, but in this, this episode, I really want to talk about one specific area within immunity, which is known as cancer. Now, trigger warning, if you are not someone who wants to hear about cancer, if that is not going to be um, okay for you at this time, then that is totally cool. I highly recommend skipping this section. Again, this is a trigger warning. If you do not want to hear about cancer, feel free to skip this section. So let's talk about it. Psychoneuroimmunology. Psychoneuroimmunology. Isn't that a crazy word? This is the study of how our psyche, our thoughts, feelings, and emotions interact with our neurons and nervous system and how they interact with our immune system. So one of the first ways that stress and cancer are related is that stress decreases the amount of natural killer cells in our bodies. These are the cells that actively hunt out tumors and kill them. And then they call upon their friends to come and clean up the debris. And now, not to creep you out or anything, but in my exercise and cancer course, I learned that we are all full of tumors and growths and benign little weird bumps, lumps, bumps, all the things. Um, all of us, we're full of them. And they are non-cancerous and natural killer cells. They go and find all these things and they kill them off. And then their little friends come in and they pick it all up and they take it away. It's so cool. Um, And stress directly 
like literally directly reduces the amount of natural killer cells within our bodies. Now, the next way that stress impacts cancers is cancer is with a little help from glucocorticoids. Now, remember how we talked about how the heart needed angiogenesis, right? It needs angiogenesis to increase uh, blood supply, make new vessels, and in order to work harder. Well, glucocorticoids are systemic. They are all throughout our bodies. And in with, with regards to tumors specifically, they have this weird relationship with tumors where they make blood supply for the tumors, right? This is crazy to think about. So tumors need a blood supply to proliferate and grow and survive. And glucocorticoids go in there and they help sort of speed up the growth and proliferation of tumors by hijacking nearby blood vessels via angiogenesis and supplying the tumors with blood so that they have the nutrients they need to go crazy. The glucocorticoids kind of say like, hey, tumor, you need a blood supply? Like, let me help. It's concerning. Um, Stress also increases the rate of spontaneous tumor growth. And additionally, should someone have cancer, stress changes the course of this condition considerably. Sympathetic tone drives energy away from our repair and rego processes as well as um, they sort of hijack our energy. So our, like I mentioned before, um, prolonged stress decreases our energy because we are mobilizing energy to our muscles that need to help us run away. So you have a decrease in energy, you have like no regrowth and repair, and then you also have speeding up of tumor growth, and then the stress also suppresses our immune system. Now, someone who is experiencing cancer really needs a good, strong immune system to help with the prognosis of their condition, as well as their chances of survival and or remission. It is so crucial during the cancer survivorship process that a psychosocial intervention that specifically focuses on lowering glucocorticoids is implemented um, during treatment in order to produce, in order to improve long. Oh my God, I can't talk. I've had like four coffees today. And when I did musical theater, I actually learned that coffee um, really has an effect on uh, diction which is like your ability to speak. And yeah, I've had a lot of coffee today and I'm like noticing it's impacted my ability to speak. Anyways, <laughs> I don't even know where I was. Um, yeah, it's really important that during cancer treatment and cancer survivorship, psychosocial intervention that lowers glucocorticoids, it's just really important that that takes place in order to improve treatment, uh, prognosis, and longevity. Now, I know talking about cancer can be really scary, but I just thought it was essential. I don't want to scare you. I want to empower you. I want you to know what's going on and know that taking care of yourself is so freaking important for your health and well-being. It is just invaluable to like spend the time to take care of yourself um, so that you don't have to experience adverse health effects in the long run. Now, <laughs> it wouldn't be a Crazy Beautiful Life podcast if I didn't talk about sex and reproduction, right? Right. 
So what the hell does, what the hell does chronic stress do to our reproductive systems? The short answer is a freaking lot. (laughs) And it's, it's a lot. So I'll first talk about male uh, stress and male reproduction. First, I want to introduce you to the cascade of male reproduction in as few words as possible. Now, yes, the way that our bodies work is just a whole buttload of cascades. So basically, um, the brain releases luteinizing hormone, releasing hormone, which stimulates the pituitary pituitary gland to release luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone. So luteinizing hormone uh, tells the testicles to release testosterone, and follicle-stimulating hormone uh, stimulates the production of sperm. Now, both acute and chronic stressors Um, they cause this entire system to be inhibited. So luteinizing hormone, releasing hormone, which is the, which is at the top of the cascade is inhibited, which thereby inhibits every other step on the cascade. This results in decreased testosterone as well as decreased amounts of sperm. Now this is particularly why we have seen such an increase in men shooting blanks, as we call it, which is essentially when they are ejaculating and there's just not a high sperm content or not sufficient enough to impregnate a follicle. Additionally, the decrease in testosterone completely demolishes male sex drive. Now, a healthy sexual relationship is linked with happy levels of with healthy levels of perceived happiness, decreased levels of perceived stress, improved quality of life, and better mental health. So, of course, if we know that a healthy sexual relationship is really important, we do not want to have a decrease in testosterone, completely demolishing sex drive. And additionally, and the possibly most visible um, thing that can happen is chronic stress can lead to erectile dysfunction, which is directly related to our nervous system. You cannot get an erection during sympathetic tone. It will not happen. So if you've ever been trying to have sex, but you're like super, super nervous and you're like, oh my God, I can't get an erection. That's because you're super, super nervous and you're in sympathetic tone. Your body needs to cope with the stressor, right? It can't think about reproducing. And it's also sending all of its blood to your muscles instead of sending it to your penis to get an erection. Fun fact, when a male has an erection, they are in parasympathetic tone, obviously. You can't get an erection in sympathetic tone, so you must be in parasympathetic tone. Um, But yeah, they have to be calm in order to get one. And then when a man is about, uh, or someone who, uh, I can't think of the right words here, Um, then when someone who has a penis is about to ejaculate, um, they switch over into sympathetic tone, which derives blood away from the penis again. And the show is over and they ejaculate and that's it. So, you know, they, they're, they're doing the damn thing. They're in parasympathetic tone and then they climax, they shift over into sympathetic tone and then things are deflated and it's all done and over with. Now, one simple but effective way to stay in parasympathetic tone or to last longer, I 
I can't even believe I'm saying this right now, but it's science. It's literally just science. It's nothing weird. Anyways, um, one way to last longer for people who have a penis um, is to take super, super, like super deep breaths that actually fill up your chest and your lungs because this directly innervates the vagus nerve, which is a parasympathetic nerve, keeping you in parasympathetic dominance. So if you're about to climax and you don't want to yet, really deep breaths that stretch that vagus nerve will keep you in parasympathetic tone for a wee bit longer and then you can last longer. Fun fact. I can't believe I just taught you guys that. But whatever. It's the Crazy Beautiful Life podcast. We talk about these things all the time and I'm fine to talk about them because I am me and you are you. And yeah. (laughs) All right. Enough about males. How about female reproduction? Now, I am not going to go too in depth here because I just I need to make an entire episode just about stress and fertility and our ovaries and our hormones and all the things because there is just so freaking much that happens that I I can't include it in this episode. It's way too much. But I just want to go over a few of the basics and then I'll make a full on podcast uh, down the road. One of the first ways that stress affects female reproduction is that you do not ovulate. You will not ovulate if you are in a chronically stressed state. Now, this could be really, really concerning for someone who is experiencing infertility, someone who is wanting to get pregnant. Um, This can be really challenging if you're always, you know, you're you're stressed out, so you're not ovulating. But then because you're not ovulating, you're stressed out. It's that vicious cycle that stress has on our bodies in so many different ways. Now, a lot of the times um, when we are in chronic sympathetic tone, not only do we not ovulate, some people will lose their periods and many will experience really low or decreased levels of estrogen. Basically, what happens is androgens are converted to estrogen which increases in concentration more and more up until when you ovulate. So androgens are taken, they are converted to estrogen, and estrogen rises throughout your cycle until you ovulate, where it slowly falls down. Well, pretty drastically falls down, actually. However, stress interrupts the process of androgen conversion, resulting in decreased levels of estrogen. So the androgens are not being converted to estrogen and estrogen levels drop. And then we have elevated levels of androgens. Elevated androgens can cause acne and they can also cause significant weight loss and not the type of weight loss that is beneficial for our health. I mean, significant deductions in weight loss that can affect our bone mineral density, our hair, our skin, and our um, muscular content, like our fat-free mass. That's the word I'm looking for. As well as increase in androgens um, can cause a lot of hair growth in areas where we may not want hair growth or we may not be used to hair growth in in those areas. Additionally, like we talked about before, the cardiovascular system, estrogen has an incredibly protective benefit on our cardiovascular system. So decreased levels of estrogen plays a significant role in the development of cardiovascular disease. 
all in all, elevated stress in females decreases levels of estrogen, inhibits ovulation, decreases energy stores, which can lead to amenorrhea, which is the loss of your period. And this is deeply concerning. Secondary amenorrhea, which is so primary amenorrhea is you don't get your period, I think, until you're like 16 or something like that. Um, and then secondary amenorrhea is when your period dis- disappears. You've, you know, you've had your period, you are a period having person, you're a menstruating person. Um, and then secondary amenorrhea is when your period dis- disappears for greater than or equal to 90 days. And this is really concerning with regards to bone mineral density, energy, and we call it REDS syndrome, REDS, Relative Energy Deficiency Syndrome. And it's really concerning. So I know some people are like, oh, I'm chronically stressed and I'm losing so much weight. Yay me. It's like, that is so not something to be proud of. And that is something to be so deeply concerned about because your body is going to be pulling energy from your bones. And the amount of bone that you acquire during your 20s is so freaking important. Now, yes, bones are active structures and we can absolutely rebuild them and regrow them. The more we stress our bones, the more they remodel. However, it is really important that we build as much bone as possible and we pack it all on in our developmental years. Again, I'm going off topic. We need to do a full episode about the effects of stress on fertility, menstruation, periods, hormones, all the things. But in short, stress is really not a good thing for both male and female um, reproduction. It also completely gets rid of sex drive in both males and females, which we know a healthy sexual relationship is very, very important for our mental health, well-being, quality of life, all the things. So if you haven't gotten the point by now, we need to calm the fuck down. We need to decrease stress in our lives. Hustle culture is dead. Being quote unquote busy for the purpose of being busy is dead. Sleepless nights, staying up, doing work is dead. We need to calm the fuck down. Honestly, there's no other way to put it. It is so, so, so important. Now, I do want to recognize that our ability to calm the fuck down has a lot to do with the social determinants of our health, our socioeconomic status, the environment that we live in, the resources that we have available to us, the level of education we have, our race, our gender. All of these things contribute to the amount of stressors that we face. And I know that it can be incredibly challenging to try and regulate the amount of stress that you experience when the stress is external, both internal and external stress that is beyond your control. I know that. And I just want to extend so much love and I just, I, I feel like, and I, I want to extend empathy and compassion because I know that a lot of the things that cause our stress may be things that are greater than our control, especially for those who are, um, of minority groups. So I have an entire episode going up really soon about ways to 
improve your mental health and ways to cope with your mental health. And I have two mental health experts coming on the show. So it's going to be three of us in one episode talking about all of the ways that you can cope with your mental health and wellness and sort of improve them and all the things. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss that. That episode is definitely going to be incredible, but I will give you a few tips for dealing with stress in your life. My stress and coping professor, Dr. Tamanen at the University of Toronto, started our first physical approaches to coping lecture with this line. When it comes to coping and stress management, there is one thing that we know to be incredibly effective. Consistency. Consistency is key. And honestly, you guys, when we are talking about your health, like we're talking about your health here. We need to be consistent in taking care of our stress in a way that is manageable and feasible for us based on the resources that we have. If you do not make time for wellness, you will be forced to make time for illness. And that is the truth. My first tip for dealing with stress is a simple mental cue that I learned from a good friend of mine, Beck, you guys know and love Beck. And I actually repeat this cue to myself all the time when I feel stress coming on. I say it out loud. I say it in my head. I repeat it until I believe it. And this phrase is as follows. That's not mine. Easy, right? That's not mine. It's, it's a phrase. It's a mental cue. And I promise you it will help you deal with stress. It's so easy to take on other people's stress and make it our own, especially if you are an empathetic and compassionate person. It's so easy to see other people experiencing stress or experiencing adversity or whatever it may be and really take that stress on as our own. And this cue has helped me so, so, so much. That's not mine. When I know and when I am aware that that's not my stress, I can still support the individual and whatever they're going through and whatever they're feeling, but also not take those feelings upon and sort of harbor them in my own home and in my own body because that's not mine. They say this all the time and it is one of the best tips I think I've ever received Bex, I know you're listening. I love you and I love this tip because it's just easy. Like even if Danny's stressed, like because Danny's still in school, right? He has exams and just seeing his stress and not taking it upon as my own and just saying, that's not mine, but I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to listen to you, but I'm not going to take on that stress because I can't help a stressed out person if I too am stressed. (laughs) My next tip for coping with stress is identifying what activities may be causing you stress and then avoiding modifying or immediately implementing um, tactics to cope with that stress. So I know avoiding stress may not always be necessary, but if you can remove yourself from a situation that causes you a lot of stress, then I would recommend it. But I know that that's not always possible or realistic. Let's just say that the news causes you a lot of stress. That's me right now. I I hate the news. Um, But let's say the news causes you a lot of stress. The first thing that you could do is turn off all notifications from all news outlets. If there are specific advertisements that cause you stress, I know for me right now, the Health Canada um, advertisements really stress me out. So I actually blocked all ads from them. Um, 
I am not a conspiracy theorist. I am not an anti-masker, anti-vaxxer. I'm not like that at all. I'm vaccinated. Um, I follow public health guidelines. However, I think I just noticed that the Health Canada advertisements were really getting to me. Um, They were a lot about like, don't leave your house or your loved ones will die or don't go get a coffee or someone will die. And like I have friends who work in coffee shops and like I leave my house every day to go to work. Um, And it was just causing me a lot of stress. So I just blocked all notifications from them and I don't get them anymore and I don't have that stressor. And it feels really, really, really good. Now, never check, say the news is stressing you out. Never checking the news is not necessarily something that I would recommend. I think it's really important to be informed and educated about what's going on in our communities, in our municipality, in our province, in our country, as well as in other countries around the world. It's important to know what's going on so that we can be aware and we can be mindful of steps and things that we can do to sort of help with all of the things that are going on. But um, there is definitely a way that you can still check the news and get the information that you need in order to be an important member of society um, while not being a sort of news victim where you were just watching it all the time and it's just making you stressed out. So turn off notifications from news outlets and allow yourself a wee bit of time each day. Maybe it's 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour where you check the news, you get the information that you need to get, and then you are off and doing your own thing. And that's that. So turn off notifications from the news, choose a time that you are going to check and get the information that you need, and then set it aside because you're just going to force yourself into a chronically stressed state, which is really detrimental to your health. Maybe avoiding your stressors is impossible. Maybe modifying them isn't is not possible either but something that i would recommend is once you've identified your stressors try and implement habit stacking to immediately cope with that stressor for example like i said it's important to read the news so i say i will check the news at 10 a.m each morning to get the information that i need and then i will immediately turn off my phone and go for a walk this is habit stacking When I do this, I will follow it by this. I learned this in the book Atomic Habits, and this is something that I'm loving. Maybe a something that causes you stress is checking your emails. So you say out loud to yourself, after I do one hour of checking and responding to emails, I will follow it up with three minutes of mindful breathing and meditation. So we've done the thing that's stressful and it has to be done, but we are immediately implementing activities and habits to cope with that stressor and pull us out of that stress response and back into parasympathetic tone. I think this is a really easy tip that we can all do today is identify the stressors, avoid or modify such stressors, or if you can't avoid or modify, immediately implement interventions that will pull you back into parasympathetic tone. Now, maybe something that causes you a lot of stress is leaving your house. Maybe that's what's real and true for you right now. So you say, you know, when I leave my house, the moment I come back, I will do three minutes of breathing, just just breath work, which leads me into my next tip. Breath work. Remember when I said that breathing deeply stimulates the vagus nerve? Yeah. So 
deep breathing actually does work and actually does push you into parasympathetic tone. So remember always hearing like, oh, just take a deep breath, take some deep breaths. That is actually a thing. That is a thing that is backed by science that is proven to pull you into parasympathetic tone and stop the stress response. And if you are consistent and you are consistently doing, you know, deep breathing, breath work, breathing and mindfulness techniques, it is such a good practice to lower stress, lower cortisol, and lower glucocorticoids throughout the body. Remember, consistency is key. My next uh, tip for coping with stress, I bet you saw this coming. My next tip for coping with stress is exercise. Wow. What a surprise. A kinesiologist saying that you need to be exercising. I know, I know you're sick of me asking and barking down your throat and telling you to move your body, but movement is essential and exercise is medicine. Exercise is the key to health and longevity when done correctly. Overexercising is a completely different topic, but right now we are talking about 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity every single week. If you hit the 150 minutes, I promise you your life will change. I mean it. There have been hundreds of studies of the impact of exercise on mental health and well-being as well as decreasing stress. Even walking is associated with a 17.7% reduction in mental health burden. Cycling, actually, you know, I'm a recent cycler. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Actually, I've really been loving cycling lately, but I don't consider myself a cycler. I'm not that cool. But anyways, cycling has proven to be the most effective modality for decreasing mental health burden as well as improving perceived levels of stress. This is because it is a low impact activity. So when I say low impact, this is actually something that's important. Exercise is a stressor on the body. Exercise causes stress on the body, which elicits a minor stress response. But this stress response is way bigger and way, I don't know, way bigger (laughs) when the exercise is high impact. So this is things like running or like really intense strength training, HIIT training, Tabata. All of those things cause a greater stress response than aerobic low impact activities like walking or cycling or swimming. Low impact aerobic activity has proven to be the most effective way to decrease perceived stress and increase mental health. Now, you guys know me and you know everything that I preach, that movement is movement. And some movement will always be better than no movement. So if you just can't bring yourself to do aerobic activity and you just want to be lifting and all all of the things, I get it. But if you're chronically stressed and you've like realized and 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 honored that you are a chronically stressed person, like all you may want to avoid the things like strength training, what I call ego lifting, which are your one RMs, your bench presses, your deadlifts that are literally just for your ego and have almost no therapeutic or health benefit. Anyways, um, and high impact activity, you, you want to avoid those things if you are someone who is really stressed. 
engaging in low impact aerobic training that is between 45 to 60 minutes in duration at a minimum three times per week is the absolute best thing that you can do for mental health and decreasing stress. Now the list goes on about physical approaches to coping with stress. There is like muscle, muscle mind techniques. There is the mind to muscle technique which is the other way around. There is progressive muscle relaxation, self-compassion talk, the broaden and build theory, and so much more. I cannot simply put in one episode all of the amazing ways that you can cope with your stress. There's just too much to cover. I love all of you, and I know that our outside world is absolutely trash right now. We need to do everything we can to regulate our internal world and emotions. I am here for you. The empire is here for you. And in the coming weeks, I have some really incredible opportunities going up on my Instagram to help you guys during this really, really difficult time. But I would like to extend an offer to every single one of you right here, right now. I want to help. I want to help get your stress under control. I want to protect your fertility, your mental health, cardiovascular health, your bone health, your digestion, your risk of cancer. I want to help you, which is why I am offering all listeners a one-on-one session for stress and coping. Now, this is not therapy. This is not talk therapy. This is not cognitive behavioral therapy or psychotherapy or psychology. This is physical and lifestyle approaches to coping with stress, which is within my scope of practice as a registered kinesiologist. Now, the how. These calls will be 30 minutes long and we will dive deep into the areas of your life that are causing you stress. And then we will look at at some physical approaches to managing and coping your stress that is appropriate for you, the resources that you have available to you, the time you have available to you, the things that you enjoy and all of that. So they are totally one-on-one, incredibly subjective calls that are totally designed to you. I'm going to send you home with booklets and pamphlets and habit trackers and all of the things so that we can decrease the stress in your life. Now, these 30-minute calls are going to be paid. Um, However, I'm going to offer them for super, super, super cheap. Since I'm just start just starting my kinesiology career and my online practice, I am offering these stress and coping calls for just $20. That's $20 via PayPal or e-transfer, and we will have an in-depth look at how we can mitigate, manage, and cope with stress in your life. Additionally, as mentioned There are going to be some really incredible opportunities for you to decrease your stress, improve your health and well-being very, very soon on my Instagram. So make sure you are following me on Instagram at bee.spiers and turn on notifications so that you do not miss a thing. There are going to be some really unique products launching and products, really unique projects launching to help you guys during this troubling time. 
If you want to book a one-on-one stress and coping call with me, I will be posting a link in the Crazy Beautiful Life Facebook group where you can book your appointment. We can see each other through Zoom. It will be super chill, super laid back. One-on-one, I want to help you. Let's have a look at your life and let's lower your stressors. So everyone, calm the fuck down. It is a thank you so much for listening to the crazy beautiful life if you'd like to leave me an apple podcast review i would really appreciate it and make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes i'll see y'all next monday it is a beautiful life